This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Nka bongwam foronanya genu yante. We are beginning the second week of our Lenten pilgrimage or journey. A period set aside for us to draw closer to God, experience Him intimately, and worship Him truly by adoring Him and serving our brothers and sisters. On the first Sunday of Lent, our attention was drawn to the moment of temptation and struggle, to the beginning of the ministry of Christ, to his encounter with the forces of evil which tried to distract him from his mission. On this second Sunday, we arrive at an important point, even though we are not yet halfway our journey of Lent. At that time, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. At what time was that? You know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke usually follow the same line in telling the story of the life and teaching of Jesus. They may be different in the details, but the order is usually the same. In the three Gospels, the experience of the transfiguration is placed immediately after Peter's confession or profession of faith about the identity of Jesus. After having asked his apostles, who do people say I am? And you, who do you say I am? When Peter answered on behalf of the apostles, you are the Messiah of God, Jesus was happy that at least his own disciples, his own apostles, had begun to understand who he was. And then he took the next step to explain to them that the redemption he was bringing was not the redemption of conquest by power or warfare. It was not a political redemption, but a spiritual redemption in the sense that if you win 
a war today, you may lose another tomorrow. Many kings and presidents and heads of states who fought wars of liberation for their people lost the independence of their people at some point to some other form of domination. But the liberation that comes from the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is a liberation that lasts forever. That is not brought about by war and violence, but through sacrifice on the cross and death. When he told them that, they did not understand it. Matthew and Mark say that Peter rebuked him and said, Look, this will not happen to you. And Jesus, who had praised Peter, called him at that point, Obstacle, Tempter, Satan. That was a very difficult moment for Jesus himself and for his apostles. Just at the point he was thinking that his apostles had begun to understand him, he realized they had not really started. And he started to explain to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must be prepared to suffer. You must be prepared to give up yourself so that through your self-offering, the Lord will work his miracle for the others. That was a hard saying that the apostles found difficult to accept. And six days after, so if you take the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel really says six days after that, Jesus then led them to the top of a mountain where they experienced this manifestation of the glory of the Messiah. On top of the mountain, they experienced his glory. Christianity is a religion of the experience of the top of the mountain. Not only Christianity, but also Judaism. The religion of the Old Testament is a religion that places emphasis on the experience of God on the mountain. In the first reading, we hear of the encounter between Abraham and God. God asked Abraham to put him to the test. Give up what is most precious to you, your only son. He led him up to a mountain. And on that mountain, Abraham was ready out of trust in God to sacrifice the person and thing and reality, everything that was most important to him, his only son.
And God told Abraham, Not your son. Don't offer me your son. But there is another promise there that Abraham eventually did not hear and if he heard, would not have understood. The same God that told Abraham not to offer his son, Paul tells us in the second reading, offered his own son, his only begotten son. Don't offer me your son. I will rather offer you mine. Abraham, don't quite be you or you are Chukosia. Ebi kwerini him guarga. Enye le mwaga. Mwa. Boye genye gwam. Make bapataga. And that was the beginning of a special relationship. A relationship that a God who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all will not fail to give us anything that is important in our lives. From the mountain of Maria where Abraham was ready to offer Isaac, we are led to Mount Sinai where God offered the word, the commandments to Moses. And on that mountain, a special covenant was made between the people of Israel and God himself. But we know that the covenant of the Mount Zion was brought to fulfillment by a new covenant on Mount Calvary, where God finally gave his own son. That is why Jesus led the apostles up the mountain, although not yet Mount Calvary, but a mountain where they experienced the glory that would come as a result of the Calvary encounter and experience. The glory of the resurrection was possible because of the sacrifice of Calvary. And Jesus led them up to that mountain so as to prepare them to face the problems and difficulties down the dark valley of daily life. Down the valley where they had to carry the cross, make sacrifices, offer themselves. They needed always to bear in mind that the journey would not stop in that valley, but would always lead up to the mountain. Of course, you know that Mount Calvary, after the death of Christ, they came down again to the valley for the burial. But after the resurrection, Christ led back the apostles to the mountain of the ascension. Our religion is a religion of the mountain experience. The experience where God makes us see his glory in order to expand our views, expand our vision of reality, give us a better understanding of who we are and who he is, so that our relationship with him, with one another, and with the world 
would be guided rightly. Peter found this experience so beautiful that he wanted to remain there. I would want all of us, please, when you find yourself in the valley of darkness, when you find yourself in the dark shadows of suffering and illness, misunderstanding and family problems, know that the journey does not stop there. Allow the Lord to lead you by the hand up to the mountain of the transfiguration. You see, the paintings on our ceiling, on the central aisle of the cathedral, it begins with a sign. They begin with a sign of the multiplication of loaves at the wedding feast in Cana in Galilee. But where do the paintings culminate? The mountain experience of the transfiguration, which prepares us for the experience of the mountain of Calvary on the altar. The beauty of the transfiguration is understand from the point of view of the redemption brought on Calvary. Whenever you find yourself in any situation of a situation of darkness and discouragement, know that your journey does not end in the valley. Unfortunately, in the valley we see only shadows, serpents, evil spirits, wickedness, struggle. The valley is always overcrowded and very darkened by our selfish interests and struggles. Nigeria today seems to have descended down to the deepest valley of darkness. The church is inviting us today as Christians and as Catholics and as Nigerians to allow the Lord to lead us up to the mountain of the experience of his glory. There we will see God the way he is and we shall better understand the relationship between us and our brothers and sisters. In the valley of darkness and poverty and misery, we see ourselves as belonging to different ethnic groups and different religions struggling for the control of power and the natural resources of the country. But on the mountain of the experience of God's glory, our attention is focused on the majesty of God and our brothers and sisters acquire a new meaning and new relationship with us. And Peter said, it is good for us to be here. God, uh, Jesus did not grant that request. However good it may have been, they did not remain there. Even today, many people think that the church should remain on the mountain of the experience of the Lord, on the sanctuary. 
Many will always say it is better for us to remain on the sanctuary and allow men of the world to take charge of the world. It is good for us to be here. It has come, gone, come to the point that many people once a priest or a bishop makes any statement or gives any suggestion about governance, social justice, about the way things should be in the world, he is accused of having left the sanctuary and having descended into the political arena. People even advise such priests or bishop to put off the cassock and join a political party. Yes, it may be good for us to remain on the sanctuary. But it is better if we move from the sanctuary into the field, into the street of encounter with our brothers and sisters in their struggle. Because that is the only way we can share this beautiful experience with others. We have all gathered today to experience the Lord on the mountain of the Transfiguration. The beauty of the Lord's presence in the Eucharist. And it is good that we are here. And as long as we are here, let us enjoy that presence because it vivifies us and recreates our energy. But from here, we must move down. We must move down to the streets, to the markets, to the offices, to the shops. We must move down and transmit that experience to our brothers and sisters. But then, before we move down, we have to remember this admonition. A voice came from the clouds and said, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Listen to him. Remember the same experience of a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son. That was at the baptism of Jesus. Where the Father and the Spirit bore witness to the Son and inaugurated his ministry on earth. That experience was meant to strengthen Jesus. To show him, whatever you do in this mission, you are doing it as a second person of the Blessed Trinity. Don't be afraid. But this other experience is meant for us, the disciples. That Son of God, that Word of God, through whom the universe was created, that is the Word that gives meaning to our life. That is the Word that gives us the key to the solutions to many of our economic social and moral problems without listening to the word of God we shall not find the solution to our problems but are we still listening the problem is that everybody is now talking and nobody seems to be ready to listen one of the complaints Catholics always make about the situation in Nigeria is that our bishops are not saying anything 
What are the bishops saying? The bishops are silent. Everybody has become deaf. So deaf that no matter what God says through his disciples and priests and bishops, people are no longer listening. Because of that, they think nobody is talking. But even at that, the church herself must constantly ask herself, the church's leaders, bishops and priests, are we still listening to the word of God, to Jesus, the second person of the Blessed Trinity? Get me right. The church can do many beautiful things in the world. The church can intervene politically. The church can help the poor. The church can educate the young and children. The church can combat injustice. But if the church is doing all those things without listening to the Lord, the church just becomes a social organization. The danger today is that there is a great temptation for the church to just become a social organization with little or no reference to the word that comes from the author of salvation, Jesus Christ himself. Anything that we are doing that is not a result of a careful listening and discernment of the voice of God is only an expression of our own ego. And the danger is real. We have had cases in history where priests even took up arms to fight, thinking they were doing the will of God. And we have cases even now when some people think that the church should be armed to fight a battle against the persecution of the church. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. What is Jesus Christ telling the church in the world, in the present crisis in the world? What is Jesus Christ telling the church in Nigeria, in the present crisis in Nigeria? What is Jesus Christ telling the church in Nonsoka in the present situation and confusion in Nonsoka? This is my beloved son. Listen to him. We must resist the temptation of listening only to ourselves and acting based only on our own human impulses. Because no matter how beautiful that may be, that is not the mission that the Lord is sending us to. Oh, that today we would listen, you would listen to his voice. Harden not your hearts. Psalm 95. May we acquire the listening skill to be able to listen to the voice of the Lord and know what he wants us to do and he's speaking to us 
in the word of God. He is speaking to us in the experience of our people. He is speaking to us in our own daily experiences. But are we still listening to him? And when he speaks through your priests and bishops, are you listening? All the things that Catholic bishops have said in Nigeria against discrimination, against bribery and corruption, against nepotism and embezzlement of public funds, against Ohu and the Osoka systems in Iboland, against idol worship in the name of culture, against maltreatment of women in the name of culture, against impurity and immorality in the name of modernization. All the things that the Catholic Church is saying, echoing the voice of the Lord. Are you listening? I have often told you that people come to me and tell me, Unuje, why then the government? No, 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 And I answer, yes, no, 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 Yes, we may have the voice, but they are not listening anymore. In fact, some in government today see the Catholic Church in Nigeria as a political party and the opposition party. But we will not give up in speaking the truth. But that is not more worrisome. What is more worrisome is that the people whom we have been ordained to lead are no longer listening to us. So I always ask you, if you sitting here in this cathedral who accept me and call me father if you don't listen to me how do you expect the government to listen to me are we still listening to the voice of the beloved son that is the equation all of us should ask himself or herself by the way in your families, you will have temptations and crises. Be careful. Before you take any decision in time of crisis, ask yourself, have I listened attentively to the voice of the Lord? In your place of work, places of business, you will have temptation and crisis. Before you take a decision, ask yourself, have I listened attentively to the voice of the Lord? No matter how much we struggle in our own personal efforts, without the help that comes from above as light, we will always end up in the valley of darkness and struggle. This is because when God created the human being, he created him in his own image and likeness. Because we are created in God's image and likeness, 
there is something in us that is constantly open to receive the message of the word of God and if we close that channel of receiving that message we shall never be happy no matter how much we think we are registering progress St. Augustine puts it clearly God created us for himself and our heart will be restless until it rests in God if we don't listen to his voice we shall not have peace we shall not have true progress we shall not have harmony among us the Lord is still speaking are we still listening to him if today you should listen to his voice harden not your heart